This isn't Grandma's radio show. We talk about slobber knocking fights. Ground and pound. Rear naked chokes. Plug your ears if you don't want to hear it. It's coming up next, another brand new episode of Sucker Radio. This is MMA fight music producer Mikey Ruckus, and you are listening to another edition of Sucker Radio with your host, Jeremy Brand. Be sure to catch all your mixed martial arts news and interviews and updates at www.mmasucker.com. I can't believe this can happen to me. Pluck from obscurity or whatever. We are back, folks, with another episode of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com. I'm your host, as always, Jeremy Brand. Boy, oh boy, do we have a fun one for you today. Kicking things off, I will be joined by the little axe himself, Team Alpha Male fighter Andy Ogle. Yes, that's right. I said Andy Ogle is a Team Alpha Male fighter. Get that straight, folks. This guy from the UK, who is a part of the Ultimate Fighter live season, um, made the trip over to California, and he is a part of Team Alpha Male for this coming fight this weekend at UFC on Fox 14. Excited to see him back inside the octagon. He did not fight since last May, so I'm looking forward to chatting with him about that. Also on the show... Justin Piro brings us his unpopular opinions. He was having fun last week with that guest. So he brought on another guest this week. Looking forward to that. And finally rounding out the show, American Top Team Head Coach, Mr. Ricardo Laborio. I don't know if you can tell by my voice right now, but I'm extremely giddy to chat with this guy. Um... He's been an absolute, not, I wouldn't say idol, but this guy I've looked up to for a number of years. He is Robbie Lawler's head coach. He coached him to that welterweight championship. He is the coach of Tyron Woodley, Hector Lombard, Mike Thomas Brown, who is the WEC featherweight champion. He has a number of huge fighters under the American Top Team banner, and I will be chatting with him later on in the show. This past weekend... We had Conor McGregor inside the octagon. This guy, they set records for a Fox Sports 1 show. Conor McGregor finishing Dennis Seaver in the very first round. I myself am a believer. This fight made me believe in Conor McGregor. I have absolutely stepped aboard the hype train for Conor McGregor. I was a believer before a little bit. I'm even more of a believer now. I mean, this guy, he brings it. He's very, very, very elusive. He has that next-generation fighting style, and I think that he is definitely one to watch out for. Does he deserve a title shot being ranked at number four with guys like Frankie Edgar and Cub Swanson above him? Maybe. He's going to get it, that's for sure. He jumped out into the crowd to (laughs) yell at Jose Aldo after the fight. I personally would like to see him against Frankie Edgar before Aldo, but he's going to get the title shot because he is a moneymaker. That's right, the guy is going to make money. He wants to have this fight in Crow Park in Ireland. It's not going to happen. According to Dana White, it will happen in Vegas. I personally think it should happen in Brazil because the champ should be able to fight in his own backyard. That's all I'm going to talk about this past weekend. This upcoming weekend, we have UFC on Fox 14. As I said, my guest Andy Ogle is a part of that card. Headlining that card is uh, Alexander Gustafson versus 
Um, Anthony Rumble Johnson for number one contender status in the UFC light heavyweight division. Who will face John Jones next? We will find out this weekend. Dan Henderson is on that card. Ryan Bader is on that card. Gegard Mousasi is on that card. My goodness, it is stacked. Phil Davis is on that card. Holy Christ, this thing is good. So with that, let's get right into my first guest. Joining me now is a UFC featherweight fighter who is a part of the one and only Tough Live season. Please welcome Andy Little Axe Ogle to Sucker Radio. Andy, thanks for joining me today, man. Thanks for having me. Now, you've made the move to Sacramento to train with Team Alpha Male for this upcoming bout against Makwan Amirakani. Uh, explain the decision behind the change in camps. Well, um, I came up short in the last couple of fights. Um, I had a, had a couple of runs of bad luck um, coming into the bouts, but just uh, took it, uh, took it, in, and just went with it. Put the bad luck on my sails, and just uh, you know, people don't see what happens when you uh, go into the cage, but <laughs> they just see the end result, and. Um, I feel like uh, I just came up short a couple of times, but uh, and it, it was it was marginal with my losses. So um, I came out alpha male where they they've got the best guys at my weight, and um, I'm ready to I'm ready to uh, put all the put all the bad experiences behind me and uh, get a W. Now you you haven't fought since May of last year. Why why such a long layoff? Just time to develop, time to get better. Um, also, um, I believe the UFC is also being very good to me, giving me that uh, extra time. They give me that extra time to uh, find my feet at Alpha Male, and uh, hopefully, going to see another a different fighter. You know, uh, I, I believe that Dana White, Sean Shelby, and Joe Silva have given me that time to. Uh, work on the things that I really need to, and you're going to see a totally different me. Do you truly believe that you are a different fighter now? Yeah, I believe I'm more intelligent. Uh, I'm not I'm, I'm not absolutely beat in the, in training for uh, the, uh, the the last week, the, the week of just cutting, you know, and feel like I've trained very intelligent for this fight. feel like I've worked on all all areas uh, also helped a lot of the guys fighting for their fights. So um, I, I, I got my rounds in, uh, helping the guys for their fight. Then had had a, a month or two where I'd been just doing fifty percent sparring once a week, and uh, really opening up and creating uh, creating like different different things, different scenarios for sparring instead of just going balls to wall. And then uh, I started training for my fight and uh, sort of working specifics. So I feel like I've uh, definitely became more intelligent through sparring and uh, training. And I've got some great people behind me. At the same time, uh, you know, like um, I just feel like it's been development and I'm happy. I'm actually happy. I haven't uh, been happy with MMA for a little while. I've just been doing it because it's run of the mill and it's what it's one of the only things that I know, 
you know, and I've got a degree. I've got a degree in sports science. You know, like, I uh, I went to university. I didn't have to choose this path, but, like, uh, I just got sucked in the MMA, and I loved it so much, and it's like a drug. <laughs> but, like, now, now I feel like I became institu- institutionalized, and um, it's kind of the only thing I know now. <laughs> that That's a great analogy. <laughs> Thank you. So are you surprised at all that you are still with the UFC? Well, well, no. Uh, yes and no. Uh, yes, because uh, the records show that if you lose a couple, then you're out. Um, and no, because I've, I've not been given easy fights. I've been given veterans. I've been given fucking tough fights. So, uh, pardon my language. Oh, it's all I've been good. Given t- I've been given tough fights and tough opponents. And um, with the last fight, uh, what, nine out of ten people wouldn't have got up from that kick to the lips. Nine out of ten people. Right? I only knew that it was a kick to the lips because I watched it over again. I don't remember the first round. Right? I know I'm tough. I know I'm tough. Right? So uh, training out here in Sacramento, being trained intelligently, like my brain goes, Hell, I know I'm tough. I know I can do it, but I won't remember the first round of that fight. You know, like, I put on entertaining fights. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm all about. What, was there a bit of a culture shock coming out to California? Um, it, it was certainly different. Um, I'm, I'm staying at um, a friend's apartment. He houses, houses like that. So, um I've been seeing a lot of new faces and different faces and interacting with new and different people from all around the world. And, um, you know, I've always had a, had the theory in my head about fighting and, uh, and people being on a mission and everyone being solo and we, we all just come together and, uh, we're like, we're like pieces of dust in the wind, you know, and fighters all all just gather up, and then before you know, it, we get blown away, and we we find different people, different fighters, and that's definitely what it's been like here. I've met some great, great people on my journey. Met people like um, Josh Sambo, um, Josh Hill, Graham Spencer, um, you know, some great people, and um. Vince Murdoch, um, and just everyone. Like I've met some really, really good people and great people, and uh, it's given me that bite and uh, that edge again to compete. As I told my girlfriend, I said, "I, I want to fight." She said, "Don't just want to fight. You're not ready. You're not ready." I went, "What are you talking about? I want to fight." And she said, uh, "You need to be climbing the walls to get a fight." You need to be absolutely chewing at the bit to get a fight. And uh, then I started chewing. I was absolutely chewing. I started like getting a bit envious that uh, Raya had this second fight booked. I was like, you've got another fight booked? I haven't even got one booked. <laughs> and then the UFC called. And um, either, either, either God has got sick of me praying to him all the time and uh, he's just going to give, give this give this English son of a bitch fight, or uh, this is meant to have happened. So, um, regardless of what happens, I'm going to go out there smiling, and I'm going to leave the cage smiling. <laughs>
you know? For sure. Will, will Alpha Male be your full-time camp now? Will you make the return to there after this uh, next upcoming fight? Um, and I, I don't exactly know uh, what's happening right now. I feel like I'm maverick, you know, um, free bird, right? I came out here to train, to find myself, to be happy, and uh, to win a fight, you know, like to win my fight. That That is... That is the long-term goal. The long-term goal uh, when I came out here was to get a fight and win it and feel comfortable, right? And to find myself and be happy. And and right now, uh, that long-term goal has became my short-term goal. I've got a new new set of goals, but uh, they're all they're all short-term to medium-term. I, I don't know right now that to to me that's too. Too too long term, you know. Uh, I've got I've got this guy that wants to uh, punch me in the face right now. I can't really look past him. Care to share any of those goals? Yeah. Um. So short term, win this fight. Medium term, win three fights. Just win three fights this year in a row. Just get 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 back on that track. Get back on that horse. Um. And hopefully, I want to move out here. I want to move out to Sacramento. I love it here. I love the people here. Um, I love everyone here. Um, I met some really, really cool people. And um, I really like it here. Is that something you've learned from being there? Is is this mental stability, sort of finding out your goals and, and working towards the short-term stuff rather than the long-term stuff? Well, um, I used to... I used... Well, I used to have uh, all the way up to making the UFC. I had short-term, medium-term, long-term goals. And I was very driven towards them goals. And actually, actually fulfilled all them goals, which I said. And then when I, was, uh, when I got to the UFC, I felt like, well, I'm here. I can't make no more goals. Like, like I found it difficult to make and set some new goals. Felt like every fight was going to be for my career or from life, you know. And then um, the pressures are real, you know. The, the psychological games um, was starting from amateur uh, amateur fighting. It starts uh, very. You nervous when you start fighting, and then you start start building up some fights, and you start thinking about the UFC. If you if you're good enough to win a couple of fights. You start thinking about the UFC and how you're going to get there. So you're so you're you're getting more and more determined all the way until you get into the UFC. Once you're there, it's like holy shit, I fucking made it. It's a totally different kettle of fish. You know, they say UFC jitters are real. Fucking damn right, they're real. You know, and I know firsthand that they're real. You ever wanted something so much that you get it, and you know, like. Shit, like it, it's it, it's scary, it's crazy. So like, yeah, um, Uriah's a great guy, and Uriah's like really took me in and really helped me. And then um, I I just feel like right now at this time of life, um, I'm happy, and um, I'm just I'm just gonna create some new goals. All right, you made the move from England to Sacramento. Now you're fighting in Sweden. Are you excited to fight in front of a new crowd that that you haven't been able to perform in front of before? 
Hey, I'm just looking at my face right now, and I'm thinking, guys, yeah, I'm, I'm talking to them like the people. Right? I'm like, <laughs> guys, we're fucking going to Sweden. We're going to do this. Yes, let's do it. You know, like, people pay to go on holiday to, like, different places. People pay to go on vacation. They want to go to Brazil. They want to go to Sweden. They want to go to, uh, like, Berlin, loads of these places. Hell, I'm going for free. So I'm going for free. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight, which is kind of what I love to do in any case, right? Because, because I don't know, kind of weird like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> going there, gonna go fight, and gonna go see a different place. It doesn't get much better. Like, um, get to see the world. I, I, I just, I've got a couple of places that I want to tick off my list. I want to go go visit and go see and go fight in there. Oh, I'd love to fight in Japan. Now, your opponent, uh, Amerkani, is making his debut with the organization. Do you know much about this guy? And uh, have you been able to see any tape on him? I've watched I've watched some tape on him. Um, I'm not really going to speak about him too much. Um, you know, he's going to do what he's going to do. Um, you know that I, you know that I prepare for it um, to the best of my ability. So uh, it's just going to be a, it's just going to be who's who's better on the night, and get- um, who's who's prepared the best, who's uh, whose style uh, knocks out knocks the other guy's style, uh, surpasses it and makes it look inferior. So uh, who's who's got the shit down and who's done it the best? Um, I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to uh, pick them apart online, like um, on this podcast. But uh, yeah, I prepared for them. I've seen some videotapes. Yeah, that's that's great that you you don't want to rip them apart or anything like that. I know game plans sometimes go out the window when you step inside the cage. I guess you can only you can only worry about what you bring inside the cage that night. Then correct? Definitely. Like people have been asking me, they went, "What fight are you? Uh, what what card is it? Who's 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 on the card? Um, when do you go? What hotel are you at?" Um, what predictions um, are you ready? And I'm like, well, firstly, fuck off. Like, um, <laughs> am I ready? Am I ready? What, what for? What do you think? What do you think I'm ready for? Of course I'm ready for a fight. Being out here in Sacramento training, like, we've been ticking down, like, me and my girlfriend, like, I've been counting down the weeks. Like, am I ready? Are you, are you crazy? Of course I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, let's just, let's just do it, you know? Let's just do it. I, I know this question is probably going to piss you off because of what you sound like right now, but you, you spoke about being mentally prepared and, and stuff like that. In your mind, if you could have this fight go down in perfect fashion, how would that be? My hand getting raised victoriously in front of a Swedish crowd. Fantastic. At Team Alpha Male, they have TAM Radio. Team Alpha Male Radio, you've been a guest on it a couple times. They even did a contest for you where someone got to be your corner man in Sweden. 
just uh, tell yeah. us a little bit about that contest and and the winner and how it went down. <laughs> so, um, so pretty much, um, I I have me and plus one for uh, flights to Sweden. So, so uh, if I want anybody else there in my corner, it's either got to come out their pocket if they're generous enough, or my pocket. Now, if it's England, England or Berlin or whatever, right? Um, I paid for one of my one of my good teammates to come out with me, right? And but all the hard work's been done. So you know you could be tight and you could just make a you and you and uh, your main corner. Uh, all the hard work's been done, but I paid for I paid for this guy to come out with me, and um, it was around about five hundred five hundred English pounds. Wow! So around about <laughs> so yeah, so that came out of came out of my pocket. Um, with this with this one in Sweden. I said to myself, you know what? Um, Faber is big with the UFC. I was like, asked my management, I said, do you think Faber could come as a guest of the UFC? So they they rang up the UFC, asked if either Faber or TVA could come as a guest, just to keep us company, just to keep me and uh, Justin Buckles company. Because the hard work is going to is already done. Like I said last week, is weight management and just keeping the tools sharp. So um, Faber Faber got to come as a guest as a guest person, and, uh, and 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 so now that makes this one spot free. And what better way to? Uh, I've always said I'm going to be different. So what better way to try to promote it than to? Uh, sponsor it out and I should have put it on eBay but uh, <laughs> yeah I, I, I sponsored it out put it out as a sponsor on Tom Radio and uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity and it's something different you know and uh, it's going to make it's going to make this person's life because uh, it's never been done before and hell it's different you know they're not a fighter and um it's fucking crazy in the back, you know. Like uh, you can cut the tension with a knife. Was there a good reaction to this contest or this sponsor thing? Oh yeah, it was a great reaction. There was a, a lot of people buying buying stuff to enter this competition. It was good. Like I said, I should have put it on eBay. Uh, hindsight's a beautiful thing. Uh, maybe if I put it on eBay, you know, like uh, it would have went for quite a lot, but. Uh, I, I think some people didn't realize that um, I wasn't going to be paying for a flight for the people like uh, to to go out there. So uh, it was good that somebody from Europe won won it. It's going to be a bit cheaper for them. For sure. And finally, our boy from up here. You mentioned him earlier in the show. A guy that you. Uh... You became very close with not just him. British Columbia's own Graham Spencer was down there for some time, but I saw that you got quite close. With not only him but his dog, uh, you look pretty sad, and oh, you look God. pretty sad in that photo on your Instagram page. Bro, bro, Graham, Graham, Graham is a uh, Graham's the best. Graham is the best, uh, and I, I, I ain't gonna broadcast uh, uh, anything that's happened with Graham and uh, person, 
personal wise and uh, also like uh, his career wise. But um, I just wish him a speedy recovery. And uh, I love Graham. I love Graham and Jen. And uh, the dog is great. I've been out here for quite some time, and uh, I I didn't know how long I was going to be out here. And I've left uh, I've left loved ones back home, left girlfriend and everything because well, this is my dream. I'm I'm trying to pursue my dream. Well, my roommates, I can't cuddle them. <laughs> That's a bit creepy. So. Asia, this long-haired chihuahua. I'm, I'm, you know what? When I first seen it, I went legally blonde dog. You know, like it's yeah. a legally blonde dog. You know, like for what? Like it's for girls, like dumb girls in the movies. But like after like just spending one one night with her, like just like sitting on my lap, licking my hand, I was like, this dog is the best. So like. <laughs> You know, like for two months, it's it's just helped me like through this fight camp because I've came home, I haven't talked, like um like like I haven't talked to myself in my head about the fight, like kept on going through things. I've just been playing with the dog and just like enjoying being with the dog, talking to it and uh, and all that and like cuddling it and stuff. I know this sounds super super camp. This doesn't sound like a fighting kind of thing at all, but we all need relief. You know, I don't play video games. So, uh, yeah, I was just cuddling the dog and then the dog and the, well, Jen and Graham and uh, the dog left like the other day. And um, I, I, I'm i not going to lie, I had a lump in my throat. I didn't cry, but I had a lump in my throat. And uh, But it's okay because, you know, I feel like it went and now it's time. Now it's time. Soon it's going to be fight week and... Uh, it's time to go to work. And I thank that dog. Thank that dog so much. And my girlfriend said, you need to tell it. You need to, like, tell it how you feel. And, dude, I told that dog how I felt and everything. Like, actually sat down and talked to it. And then it looked up looked up at me. I was like, holy shit, this dog understands. <laughs> <laughs> He is Andy Ogle. He will be competing at UFC on Fox 14 in Sweden. Andy, man, it's been a blast. Uh, just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe. The social media, uh, you follow me on Twitter at the Little Axe. Instagram is just Andy Ogle, and uh, I've got a I've got a Facebook uh, athlete page as well, so you can go on there. But uh, yeah, that's that's that. Thanks a bunch, Andy. All the best in uh, Sweden next week, and, and can't wait to see you back inside the Octagon. Thank you very much. It's me, Justin Pirro, here on Sucker Radio at MMASucker.com, back with more unpopular opinions, and I am joined today by the senior writer for Fox Sports and UFC.com and Fox Sports' resident musicologist, as well as the owner and editor of NerdCoreMovement.com. He is Mr. Damon Martin. How are you, Damon? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I'm glad to have you on. So first off, did you happen to catch a Bellator on Friday? I caught parts of it. I caught the uh, the last couple of fights. Uh, so you didn't see the uh, Georgie Karakani and Bubba Jenkins finish? I did, I did see that finish. That was one of the fights I watched. I'm actually a big uh, big fan of both guys. I actually followed Bubba in college, and then I've interviewed and talked to Georgie many times. So I'm a big fan of both those guys. 
Yeah, Georgie's a friend of the show here. He's spoken a couple of times with uh, Jeremy. But uh, what was up with that uh, late stoppage on the choke? Did you think Jenkins hit on Herb's wife or something? Yeah, it was definitely late. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things. I, I think it's one of those things with a guillotine choke. And, and, again, this comes from just, you know, painful experience watching fights for so long that I think – you know, referees sometimes become a little trigger shy on a submission because the last thing you want to do is stop a fight and then you find out the guy's fine. And I, I kind of go back to the fight in the UFC between Mac Danzig and uh, and, and uh, Matt Wyman, I believe it was. In their first fight, you know, Matt Wyman had him in a guillotine. You know, Mac Danzig was fine, but it looked like maybe he was going limp. And so Eve Levine stepped in and stopped the fight. And then obviously Mac protested because he was perfectly fine, wasn't out at all. Uh, and I think that's part of it is that, you know, just the caution of making sure. And, and, and again, I think that, you know, it was a bit of a tough position because where Bubba was laying uh, and where his arm was kind of stiffened out, it didn't look like he was completely out. But again, it definitely was late. But but I do give a little bit of leeway in terms of that particular choke and in that particular position, because sometimes it is hard to tell. It is. And I was actually there for that Danzig Wyman fight. Because that was in Vancouver the first time they ran through, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and it was it was one of those fights where it ended, and obviously Mac was pretty upset, and it was just again weird position. You know, I believe if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, he was kind of sitting up at the time. Uh, Wyman was kind of sitting up at the time, and it looked like Mac was you know kind of not moving, and so Eve Levine jumped in and stopped the fight, and and clearly he was okay. Again, it's just one of those things. It's it's like you know defend yourself at all times if you, if you're not actually fighting back. Or, or or doing more than just turtling up and covering your head, uh, you know, there's something to be said for that. So again, it's it's again, it, it was a late stoppage. There's no doubt about that. But I'm not going to completely crucify uh, Herb Dean for making a terrible call. I think he just wanted to give every uh, chance that Bubba wasn't out, and then clearly he was. Yeah, I mean, I've thought about it over the weekend. I initially, I have a scale for late stoppages. I call the Warren scale. Ten out of ten being the Joe Warren Pat Curran fight where Joe was just beaten from pillar to post. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had originally scored that as a ten out of ten, but uh, you know, in hindsight, I go back. I put it down to about a seven. It's not the most egregious, but it's still pretty bad. It's bad, and but the thing is, the other thing I say, and again, not that this makes it any better, and I'm not excusing it, but. You know, a, a choke like a guillotine choke, you know, while it is bad, they go out. You know, I think, you know, when you when you get a guy like Joe Warren getting pinned against the cage, he's just getting pounded on. You know, we're talking just just pounded on concussions happening, you know, one concussion after the other. Uh, you know, that's bad. And I'm not saying it's worse. It's, you know, it's not bad to choke a guy out and let him stay unconscious and still continue to get choked. But but again, you know, we saw after the fight, you know, Bubba, you know, bounced right back up. He was fine. Uh, to me, you know, the more egregious error is when you let a guy just, you know, when you let, you know, Matt Brown, Pete sell happen, where you let the guy just get trounced on and trampled far past what he should be able to, to do in defending himself. I think that's worse, but again, not to say it's not bad. It's just saying that, you know, that's what I would rather not say. I'd rather not see a guy get hit on more than a guy, you know, maybe stay in a submission for an extra couple of seconds, especially with a choke where he's not in danger of losing a limb or breaking an arm or something like that. Yeah, no, definitely. It's not like it was uh, Marion Reno versus uh, Alexis Dufresne from a, week, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, you see it, you see somebody getting pounded on and barely defending themselves. And, you know, at some point you have to kind of stop the fight and just say, I'm protecting you from yourself. And that was kind of the case with that. At least that's the way I see it. But again, it's not it's not it's not an excuse. It's not to say it's not bad. It's just saying that I think there is a kind of a, a grading scale with with bad stoppages. Certainly. And uh, 
As far as good stoppages that caused some controversy on Sunday, we saw Uriah Hall split open uh, Ron Stallings' eyebrow, basically cut it in two, and then you hear Joe Rogan saying, if this was in Nevada, they would have let the fight keep going. Uh, but personally, for me, that's an indictment of the doctors in Nevada not caring about fighter safety, but uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, at the time, you know, with a cut like that, and, and you know, it's hard to say how much it was bleeding. I mean, it did start to bleed. Uh, but again, I've seen a million fighters. Some guys bleed worse than others. I've seen some guys, you know, get cut and you barely see a dribble. Other guys, they get nicked and it's like, you know, gushing blood. So it's also based on anatomy. But, you know, at the time, it didn't look like that bad of a cut. When you see the, you know, the backstage photos where it looked like he was literally split open and almost down to the bone, you got to imagine that it was a good call. Uh, you don't want this guy to, you know, endure some kind of permanent damage or, you know, that cut to get worse. I mean, this was the first round. I mean, this is not like we were in the, the last part of the third round. They stopped it after a, you know, a three round war. This is still in the first round. Things could have gotten way worse. So again, I, 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 I don't like stoppages due to cuts because obviously it, it takes away something from the winner. It, it even takes away something from the loser. You feel like you didn't get a complete fight, but at the end of the day, when you see those two cuts he had on his face, they were pretty nasty and pretty bad. And you almost feel like, yeah, I, I just I hate to see this guy go through some kind of permanent permanent cosmetic damage because, you know, we didn't stop the fight on time. Exactly. I I think the doctor made the right call and I don't fault either fighter. I actually think it's credit to just how hard that Hall hits if he's breaking people open like that. Yeah, I mean, again, it's uh, like I said, you know, when, you know, cuts don't, you know, are there accidental cuts? Yes, absolutely. But, you know, typically speaking, if you're swinging at a guy with a punch or an elbow or a knee and they get cut, that that's on purpose. You're not doing it by accident. So it's not like Uriah Hall, you know, rubbed his face against the cage and he got cut open. He hit him with a bunch of punches and cut him open. So, again, it was it, the, the, the cuts happened because the damage Uriah Hall was causing. Oh, definitely, definitely. And, uh. Finally, it's I'm hearing word today that uh, Conor McGregor that this last UFC fight night headlined by Conor McGregor has uh, outdrawn the best that Chael Sonnen did on free TV by about a million dollars, sorry, a million viewers. Is that true? Are you hearing the same thing on, on Fox Sports One? And yes, that is absolutely true. You know, the first uh, the first card with Chael Sonnen and Shogun, who uh, you know headlining uh, Fox Sports One's debut uh, in August, uh, whatever it was, 2013. I believe it was, uh, that drew about 1.8 million viewers on average. Uh, this card with Conor McGregor averaged about 2.75 million. Uh, to put that in context, that also outdrew uh, Tito Ortiz and Stefan Bonner by a long shot. That fight drew about 1.2 million per, uh, you know, per average, and that completely destroyed that number as well. Uh, also, you know, again, I just tweeted this out a little bit ago, but just to also put this in context, uh, for fans in America, maybe not so much fans in Canada, there aren't as many basketball fans per se, but uh, the two biggest NBA games last week, both featuring LeBron James, one against the Lakers, one against the Clippers, uh, the biggest game of the week drew 2.02 million viewers. The other game drew, I believe, about 1.9 million viewers. Conor McGregor's fight drew 2.7. So he outdrew LeBron James twice uh, you know, in a week, basically. Uh, which is wow. insane. Again, it's not playoffs. It's not into the season. I understand those numbers are going to be much, much bigger. But again, just to put in context, uh, it, it does mean something. 
Yeah, and I mean, LeBron is a draw no matter what point of the season he, that we're at in this, sorry, as far as the NBA goes. Yeah, I mean, he, Even I know he that. draws a crowd. I mean, he, you know, his, the, the, the attendance numbers when he's playing home and away are always huge. People show up to see LeBron. You know, it's like, uh, you know, again, it, you know, like anything else, it's like paying to see, you know, a great baseball player. You want to see a guy hit a home run. It's like, you know, during the heyday of, of you know, home run hitting, you wanted to pay to see Mark McGuire. You wanted to pay to see Barry Bonds. Uh, you know, if, you know, if you're a hockey fan and you, you know, you wanted to see Wayne Gretzky play, you know what I mean? Before he retired, you're like, I got to see Wayne Gretzky play one time. So people would sell out to go see him play or go watch him play. So same kind of thing with LeBron. He draws a crowd. And so, uh, and again, both of those are, are relevant games. I know the Lakers are pretty terrible this year, but the Lakers are still the Los Angeles Lakers. They have a huge fan base regardless and then the Clippers are actually a good team. Uh, and and again, both of those games were on. One was on ESPN. The other was on TNT. Both of those have a larger, uh, you know, per household uh, uh, availability than Fox Sports One. And for them to, you know, basically not only get outdrawn, but, you know, in one case, almost outdrawn by a million viewers and the other one, you know, still beating it, beat, beat it by about 750,000 viewers on average. That's pretty big. It is. Uh, do we have any word on what the peak rating was for the show? We don't have that yet, but that's going to be even bigger. Uh, the other thing I tried to I tried to tell people when that initial rating came out was is the Conor McGregor fight went well past midnight uh, on the East Coast. Uh, the numbers when you get ratings for people that don't know how ratings work, the ratings look at a block of time. They're not looking at a show. So for the Fox Sports One fight card on Sunday night, they were looking at a block of time from 10 to 12, from 10 p.m. Eastern to 12 midnight. That's the block that show had set out. And so that's what the ratings are looking at is that block of time. That additional 20 minutes or so that the end of the Conor McGregor fight happened, the confrontation with Jose Aldo, all that stuff comes after midnight. That's one of the reasons why this rating takes a couple extra days to figure because you have to figure in that extra 20 minutes. Uh, what what we don't know yet is the peak number because again the peak number is probably going to come after midnight when Connor actually fought and actually finished and then did the whole confrontation with Jose Aldo. Considering the numbers were two point seven five million on average, I would say the peak has to be you know closer to to three you know probably three point five maybe even closing in on four million viewers during that one particular segment. Wow. And I I can't wait to see the quarter hour breakdowns then to see how the just just to see who was more of a draw, who stayed to watch what and who came back when. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. But clearly, you know, the the, the selling point of this fight card was was Conor McGregor. And uh, and he did a fantastic job promoting it. The UFC and Fox obviously did a great job promoting it, and and, and everyone showed up to watch. And uh, you know pr- the proofs in the pudding. Like I said, you can you can promote guys all you want. And I said this to a couple people that were saying that you know it was because the NFL games, it was because the advertising. You know, yes, there's part of it that's there, uh, but you know at the end of the day, you can advertise all day and all night. If people aren't compelled to want to watch a certain particular person, they're still not going to tune in. People were compelled to watch Conor McGregor. There's something to that. There certainly is. Well, uh, thank you for your time, Damon. Uh, where can the people find you on social media? And if you've got any projects, any articles coming up for any website you write for, please give them a plug now. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at Damon Martin. Pretty easy to find on there. And then, uh, yeah, check out uh, foxsports.com slash UFC for all my work. 
Uh, got a ton of stuff coming up with this weekend's fight card. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, a, a big one again, once again on Fox. So, you know, make sure to check that out. And then uh, if you get a chance, check out my personal website, the one I own, nerdcoremovement.com, which is kind of my passion project covering TV, movies, comics, all that good stuff. So, yeah, and thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for coming, Damon. And as always, folks, if you have any complaints and grievances, hit me up on Twitter at StormlandBrand or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Stormland. And until then, I'm going to throw it back to Jeremy. My next guest is the head instructor and co-founder of one of the most recognizable camps amongst the MMA community, American Top Team. Please welcome Ricardo Laborio de Sucaradio. Ricardo, man, it's an absolute honor to have you on the show today, my friend. Jeremy, this, this honor is mine, man. I really, really appreciate it. I'm a big fan, not just the show, but uh, of you too, my brother. It is, it is a, a complete pleasure to be in it. Now, where do I, I mean, where do I start, man? I, I've wanted to have you on the show for so long and, and have so many questions for you. So I guess we'll, we'll go right back to the beginning. <laughs> Walk our listeners through your move to the United States and the process of opening not just American Top Team, but obviously Brazilian Top Team to start with. All right, all right. Let's, let's start from Brazilian Top Team, all right? Um, we got out of the car from Gracie, and almost immediately, you know, the group of guys, that was me, Marilla Bustamante, Morris Perry, and the Bel Duarte, we, we, we created the Brazilian Top Team. The team grew a lot. With all those big names like Minotaro, Victor Belfort, Ricardo Arona, Paulo Filho, uh, Little Nog, uh, from there we go, man. You know, Carlos Moreno, that there were so many big names, you know, at the Brazilian top team. That was just the best team in the world at the time. And that was the time when Japan was a big, hot market. And, and you know, we were really, you know, we were really pretty doing great things over there. Um, was 2000, I came to the United States for the first time, and that's when I met Dan Lambert. You know, Dan Lambert had an association with, with Conan and, and Marcelo, his brother, and he actually trained with them. And he was looking for somebody just to spend some time to teach them jiu-jitsu, teach Dan Lambert jiu-jitsu. So they, he invited me to come for six months. And before that, prior to that, I had an opportunity to work in Japan. They were looking for a coach in Japan, and I really have this moment in my life. I said, man, I got I to gotta learn to speak English, you know. And we just had a one manager that was just negotiating things for us. He, the only reason why is because the guy is speaking English. So I say, all right, let me, that's my time right now, man. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to learn English. So I thought about Japan first at this proposal. But I met Dan right after that. If he comes over, man, you just got to come over, you know, you want to learn English, come to the United States, it's make more sense. So, three months here, say, man, you know, that's what it is, you know, that's that's the place to be. Now, I love it, everything about it, you know, I just got to just to treat it well, and I had this idea at the time to actually open up to the top teams, you know, the top teams individually and really actually nationalize the top teams. It makes sense, and even now it makes more sense, that Brazilian top team, it will not be as successful in America as it will be not as successful in Japan because people want to cheer for their own nationalities, their own country. So I thought about, okay, let's go open up the top teams, and, and, I, and I brought this to 
my partners at the time, it wasn't really, you know, acceptable. They have it. All the guys thought about, now let's brand Brazilian top team. That would be more important to brand Brazilian top team. But I had in mind, man, you know what? This is what works. And, you know, discussing proposals with Dan, and he said, man, you know what? I'm I'm going to Brazil. I'm going to negotiate. I'm going to get the name of the Brazilian top team. This is what I did. You know, I gave my, my percentage of Brazilian top team, and I got the name of American top team, and we created a Brazil, uh, American top team at the time. This is was in 2001, and and since then, you know, I knew it. this is when this started. I knew it, that United States is the place to be, it's the capital of the world. And beyond that, I believe that this is was the baby whale, man. I knew this is going to be big. I didn't imagine it would be fast. We kind of got lucky with the whole entire MMA boom and the Zufa take and the reality shows and everything else. But, yeah, I knew it that this was going to be, if the, if the MMA would take off or jiu-jitsu would take off, it would be in the United States. So I think we got lucky and, you know, we work our butt off. And, and we, are, we, we are right now. And I'll take, it took a long, long time to be where we are right now. Right. Now, you had Brazilian top team. You created American top team in, in 2001. You've obviously had some amazing talent come through those doors. Some are still with you. And you said you expected it to get where it is today. Uh, just explain that. How, you had that big expectation. No, let's put it this way. No, expected is... Let's say that you... you my expectations is not exactly what it is today, but I had an idea that with the experience that I had, you know, you know, running some big teams before or be part of the leadership of some big teams before and the support of Dan Lambert and the, the way the things are growing in, in America and, 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 and everything else, you know, in America, you have the best of a striking, you know, the best of wrestling and, you know, what it was missing is the best of a grappling and jiu-jitsu, especially for MMA. So everybody before that, 15 years ago, people were not really migrating as it is today. So it it was a great combination, you know. I think we're at the right place. That's the point. If you think, if I, if you ask me if I thought that was going to be like that, no. I, I didn't think it was going to be like that, and I didn't think it was going to be fast as, as it was, you know. But I think there was a possibility to be, really, really, definitely. I thought, okay, this thing is going to grow. This thing is going to get bigger. This sport is not going to go anywhere because the sport's going to solidify as a sport. I, I, I really believe in that, you know. But it really took a boom, you know, went to the, to the media, you know, the mainstream, and the people started talking about it, and turns into the the combat sport of the youth. Yeah. And and this is beautiful, you know. I think we were at the right time, in the right place, and we put a lot of effort on it. We knew how to do it, you know, because it's hard to run a team. It's hard to not just to create talent, but it's it's hard to deal with the, the daily emotions of fighters and, and connections to get guys fighting. You know, it is not an easy thing. Yeah, everybody think is you know it's easy and and it's just to open the doors and you have a bunch of people. It's <laughs> not the way it works, you know. And, and, you know, we learn a lot with that, but we also have a lot of previous experience with, with big team, with big teams. And this has helped a lot, you know, it really definitely, it is a, a, a group effort. 
that's the biggest thing about America Top Team. It is a team effort. There's everybody so involved in to have America Top Team as it is today, man. From 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 the guy who cleans the mats, from the people that really makes the sales, from people that answer the phone, from the regular staff, from the teachers and the instructors and the coaches and the fighters and the owners and everything, man. You know, and it's you can't take away from everybody. No kidding. Anyone. I heard I heard Mike Thomas Brown was still answering the phones even when he held the WEC title. <laughs> he was. He was. He was working there. Exactly. You're right about that. It took a while, you know. He, he actually liked it. You know, he managed to get his schedule so he could train, and at the same time, he worked a couple hours at the front desk, <laughs> and he loved it to do it, man. And there was some extra money, and he felt safe doing it. You know, it was a secure job. And it looked like it is today. You know, when, when Mike actually decided to really retire, it was because we decided that we need Mike as a coach. And, and look where Mike is today, man. You know, yeah. Mike is going to be one of the best coaches in the world, man. I, that's no doubt. And it's going to be American top team. It's, it's hard to point America top team as, as a coach. It's, it's very easy when you talk about Pat Militech or, or Greg Jackson or Duke Rufus or, you know, but when you talk about a real team and a team effort, we all know that there's so many people that work behind the scenes that don't have the recognition on it. And we as a team prefer to take as a recognition as a team that it's just one person. Nothing against whoever does what, you know, but it it is a reality, you know. We can't retrain all the sliders by ourselves. There are so many so many people that are specialized in things, it's just impossible to know everything, you know, and it's just impossible that the amount of fighters that we have it to work with everybody. So there are so many high level coaches that we have here who take pride in also who takes really credit for what we have and what we accomplish. You know, it, it, it's just beautiful. Let's you talk know, about you individually a little bit here, though. Uh, you have a pretty extensive background, obviously, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You were inducted into the Naga Grappling Hall of Fame. Just tell tell us about that experience and how much of an honor that was for you. Oh, it's always an honor to be awarded. You know, I, it's great. It's great to be awarded. It, it creates recognition. Everybody likes recognition at a certain point. But recognition, it can't change your life if you don't put the work into it. It doesn't really matter if you got an award, if you could come back in the next day, keep working. And keep learning. That's another thing because this thing evolves so much. You know, like, for example, my extension and BJJ and grappling right now, the past 15 years, I really just put myself into learn MMA and how to teach MMA and how to learn at least all the basics of the strategies of the striking and the takedown, the wrestling. So I, I put myself in, in, a, in a learning process as a student in learning from such a great coaches, you know, they come over here and they're my main coaches from strikes like Patel Kubis. I mean, so many guys, you know, Patel Kubis comes as a striker, Kami Barzini as a, as a wrestler, you know, and Jiu-Jitsu, Pahupas, there's so many other guys helping into this thing. And it's just being in the gym every day, you cannot not learn. It's just impossible. Or you're completely dumb, or you're really <laughs> not paying attention to things that are happening. You know, it's you, you're learning all the time. And the fighters are teaching other times because they're creative and they create new things. They say, this is very, this is real work. 
it worked at least for you that it's explosive, you know, and, and the other guy comes there and he's less explosive and, and you do a variation from here and then and you just always evolving. So awards are pretty cool, it's pretty nice, but if you stop working you definitely you definitely is not you know, you you're not gonna get the next award. Yeah, no no kidding. Speaking of evolving <laughs> The Brazilian jiu-jitsu community has been evolving. We see things like Metamoris these days. What do you feel about um, the way Metamoris is doing things, and, and do you see it as a sport with great potential still? What Metamoris is doing is, you know, is actually bringing great personalities from the past, from the present, and, you know, great talent for the future, and, and put it in a big stage. I think this is beautiful to bring it into into new masses and new, you know, and new fans and new students of the art is beautiful. I, I really, you know, I really do not agree 100% with the, with the drawing, you know, I, I think that, you know, at least something, you know, somebody should be winning something there, you know, not creating rules completely, but he should be award people is going for submission all the time, but a draw, you know, it, it keeps, things on the loop that he really, really did well or better. So, well, I, I really like it. And I watch Metamoris. I buy Metamoris. I watch everything. I'm really, I'm really a fan of the, of the show. I think it's awesome. And every show always is awesome for the develop of the sport. You know, what kind of rules? Well, it's, you know, it's subject, but I really like the fact that this is bring more fans, more students, more people, there's going to be respect over the what is the martial arts of the grappling is more understanding. You know, it's it, it's it's all good. What did I say? It's all good. There's no bad on it. Perfect. All right, let's talk your fighters. We'll start right at the top. Robbie Lawler became your UFC champion. This had this obviously was an extremely extremely proud moment for you as his coach. Just explain the thoughts going through your head after you heard his name read as the winner. And that was everybody was like this, man. The, let, let's describe the backstage where me and 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 Lambert and and our guys on and Conan and all our guys were in it. You know, we were we were, we were watching this in the back there, and it was man, it was 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 just amazing. It was just I mean, the feeling to hear the new world champion and. Beyond anything else, man, is Robbie Lawler. Not just a guy is a legend, but who gets to know the guy like we know him now. Man, it can't happen to a better person. That's the beautiful Cinderella story. The Cinderella man story, man. That's what it is, man. And 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 he deserves it. He deserves it so much. So much. Who knows the person? And, and I don't think he, you know, a lot of people know because that very reserved very reserved person. Robbie is a reserved person that really talk. He doesn't talk much. He doesn't expose himself much, you know, and he just goes down and he fights. He got a perfect mind for this. He got the per- perfect belief in himself, but he believed also in the work of American Top Team, the support. He creates friendships here that I know is going to last forever, forever. Because in his his personality, you can see that Robbie is the kind of guy, man, that he he sticks 
with his friends, man. He stick with his friends up to the end, you know. As his friends sticks with him too. So it was a proud, very sensitive, very emotional, very happy, very everything moment <laughs> from us right there, you know. What what a Robbie brought us was was the diamond in the ring, you know. We always were appointed as one of the best gyms in the world and I believe that we were and 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 we always producing fighters, you know, we always bring tries even from the scratch. You know, we we bring the guys, we we really groom them in our grassroots programs and and bringing Robin in, man, and then and you mix it up. You cannot take you cannot take and give credit to what a pet Milikic brought in. And our connection with Pat, our connection with Matt Hughes, our connection with Tim Steven and Monty Cox and everybody else there, it was something that was very just. It was very tight. And this is started from there. You know, when they came in, all the guys fit in perfectly. They fit in what is America's top team philosophy. Is. And I felt that they felt very comfortable with. They believed in the work. They believed in everybody was behind it. And, and, and they embraced it. And from that, it was just Robbie winning everything, you know, and going after it and believing in himself and doing the right adjustments and to win the, you know, the, the, the championship. This is always, this is always happiness, man. We could have stopped smiling for, for a week. <laughs> no, you know? On the long list of accomplishments that you yourself hold, where, where do you rank coaching Robbie to the title on that? Man, it's just not me. It's really not me. It's not about me. It's about us. I love that really, attitude. Seriously, Jared, Jared, but it's true. Because it's not, man, I would be a tremendous bullshitter if I said <laughs> that I was the one to hold Mitch for Robbie. I was the one that was showing them, you know, all the techniques of wrestling. No, brother, that's that's a lie. You know, it is a really a common effort from all the coaches for all the team, for all the team members, from all the staff, is a result of a lot of work, man. And and whoever just just take credit for himself, it is a liar or 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 delusional. Because there's so much going on. You know what I'm saying? It is so much going on. You cannot just coach the guy and go train with him, right? Yeah. It's just impossible. You you depend on so many different, you know, branches that makes you it makes you or makes the team a champion. And I think not just me, everybody who's related to American Top Team can and will say it is us. It is American Top Team. Really. Us. You know, not one person. Okay. Okay. Well, we all thought the trilogy fight with Johnny Hendricks was going to happen. That's obviously off the table now, which sort of shocked everyone. When can we expect to see Robbie back inside the octagon? And and who do you think he's going to fight? I think he's going to fight Johnny Hendricks. I think John is going to fight Matt Brown. I think he, Matt Brown, you know, gets his chance to win. Matt is a warrior. I think that Johnny can be too much for Matt. And I think Johnny wants to do this to keep himself in shape, on weight, sharp, to go to the fight, you know, in a better condition than he, you know, he was before. But we will be ready for him. And when do you think that's going to happen? I believe it's something after, let's say after April or May, I believe, before before summer. 
Okay. I saw a photo on Facebook of yourself with Kimbo Slice. He's set to make his return to MMA after a bit of a hiatus. He went on, you know, quite the run in the boxing ring over that period of time off. How do you think he'll do in the Bellator cage? And do you think the guy has what it takes to become the champion of that organization? No, it's so hard to say or to tell that. You know, uh, you know, you you count Kimbo skills and you count Kimbo, you count Kimbo's age and you count everything. And you talk about the championship. You know, I don't know to what to expect. I could not be more honest and truthful about yeah. that. Yeah, I like but that. But I know one thing. I know one thing. This guy has athleticism. He got talent. He's just got to put the time into it. He got to, he's got to make the right effort on it. And he is a great personality. Well, as everybody says, you know, Bellator has a different business model than UFC does have it, you know, and, and I think this is going to be good for Kimbo as is it will be good for Bellator too. It will be great fights. A lot of people will be seeing that. Millions of people will be watching Kimbo. People want to see Kimbo. That's the point. Against who? I don't know. If he's going to be the champion, I don't know. I can't answer that. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a lot of guys. I've seen a lot of guys come out of the woodwork trying to get in that fight. I think because it's a money maker. You know, this is a business. You know, Jeremy, I cannot say that this is not. This is a business. Kimbo is a businessman. He wants what is the best for his family. And also, there is one thing I know. I know for a fact. He wants to fight. You know, I don't know how long he can keep taking this desire and the balance in between timing and effort and age. All of this and opportunity will keep him push him in this direction. But I think he's taking this opportunity and he's going to train. And he's going to be doing the things there to get his best in, in Bellator and, and, and see how that goes, you know. Um, he he's a businessman, man. He's gonna make some money there, and you know who can blame him for that. You know he was to do this on the street for for a couple bucks. Yeah. Look who he is right now, where he is right now. I know okay. one thing, man. I know one thing, Jeremy. Yeah. This guy has he got this guy has the cojones. He got hard. <laughs> I saw many times, not more than once. I saw him in training, and I saw him in fights. I'm telling you this, he got the heart. The, nobody can deny that. The skills, the ability, you know, the effort, the, the, the knowledge of, of the whole understanding of MMA, well, it's a different thing. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes a bunch of stuff that we all know. But, you know, who can blame him to go to Bellator and make his money, you know? And, and a lot of people want to see it too. Yeah, yeah. We In Bellator, I mean, we see a lot of people making this money. Are you surprised... That I mean, Viacom is is truly becoming this second uh, sort of competitor for the UFC. I wouldn't say they're vying for the top spot by any means, but money wise, they're definitely putting the cash out there. Hey, I believe that they put some some investment also, but like I said, I think Bellator is doing it the different approach. You know, they're investing more and more into the graphics. I mean, into, do you remember Pride? And do you remember the whole production of Pride? And yeah. People, who, who's been in Pride know what we're talking about here? The, the whole entire stage and explosion of the music. This is a huge attraction. 
You know, it looks good on TV, too. And I think this is catching the eyes of, of, a, of a regular guy who was in a bar. Maybe he doesn't know anything. And, you know, I'm, maybe the MMA, hardcore MMA fans will be always tuned up into the UFC and the high rankings and the results. But the Bellator will be offering a, very, a lot of very interesting fights that people really wanted to see. And this is it's still, there's a market for it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Let's let's keep with Bellator a little bit here. Daniel Strauss fought for the Bellator title on Friday. Looked like he was on route to to win the belt almost against Pitbull there. I even yeah. I personally thought the fight could have even been stopped due to the cut if it had made it out of that round. Um you were speaking honestly there about Kimbo. Let's speak honestly about Daniel. What are your thoughts yeah. on his outing on Friday night and and what do you think he has to do to get to that next level? No, you see that, you know, he was following the strategy perfectly. Listen, Daniel is a very skilled, intelligent fighter. He was doing the strategy the way we set up. He was doing everything perfect. Hats off to Pitbull to do the right thing and actually capitalize on Daniel's mistake. It was a mistake. It was something that we got that we got to work on it. He didn't see something coming that he should be seeing at this point. You know, at this point right now, and you know, I was just screaming on the corner, "Let go of this Kimura! He's not going to take you anywhere. He's going to the mountain. He's going to take your back from it." I was screaming from there, but he kept insisting on it. You know, but it's something that we work and we talk about it, and I think he would correct even more with that. You know, and well, it it happens, happens. It's not supposed to be happening because. It, it is for this kid to to be winning and be doing good things and great things. He's capable to do it. He's capable and he's putting the effort on it. Well, hats off for Pitbull. Who can say what? You know, he had the heart to to hang him in there. He has a technique to submit and finish the fight. Well, congratulations to him. You know, and and we're we'll go back there and then correct all the mistakes that we can. Totally. Another guy who fought on the weekend, Gleison Tebow, he fought on Sunday night, looked fantastic against Norman Park. He seems to be getting better and better with each fight. Um, how good does it feel to see a guy that's been in the sport for so long continue to get better? Because there are guys out there that have become stagnant for years, and I'm not going to name names. Well, you know, Tebow, Tebow is dear to our heart, man, because first... First UFC fight, Kibau, he was with us. So we're talking about grooming and, and grassrooting people, you know. Kibau is one of them, you know. Kibau is one of them, you know. A big advantage of what American Top Team is going to accomplish right now, I think, is is the capacity to, to grassroots, to bring, you know, amateur guys and turn into professionals and bring it to the highest level. We're a very unique gym slash team because... You go to American Top Team, you have a three-year-old kid having martial arts lesson. You learn a lot of things. You have an after-school program. We have a ladies' training. And at the same time, you have you have a Robbie Lawler walks around and all the other guys in Glover to share. And, it, it, you know, and Mo Wall and Thiago Pitbulavis and Tyrone Woodley and Hector Lumber. This is all very, very cool. We create a good family environment. So T-Ball is dear to heart, you know? And... He he has to just break that point where he he's gonna be ready for for anybody, you know. 
It's that point that he's going to be ready for for the championships. That's what it is, you know. Stop being a gatekeeper and win the fights that he had to win in the right time, you know. Yep. This last fight was a very tough kid, very tough kid. But what do we want it? What we really wanted to see is to go there for the top ten and top five, and you know, you got a you got you got a chance to fight for the title. That's what we wanted to see. You talk about American Top Team being like a family, um, the place. Um, so many different fighters as a family in that gym. There's always talk, obviously, about teammate versus teammate. All this nonsense. Lately, it's been Tyron Woodley, Hector Lombard. They're two guys that are very high up on the UFC rankings in the welterweight division. How do you feel about them possibly fighting each other? And if it did come down to that, because you never know, well, it might. How would how would coaching yeah, set but, up? Let's put it this way: we have we hope that doesn't happen. But if it happens, that means the American Top Team itself is doing something right, correct? <laughs> yep. We're training those guys right, and if we have all the guys fighting for the title, that means that we really got the formula. But. That's something that everybody talks, and whoever gets into this business, they don't know in a certain way that this is an individual sport, you know, it's full of himself. There's one belt, there's one champion, and whoever wants to improve in life and do and realize the dreams have to fight for the title. We talk about this to our guys. Our guys know that. There's guys that train together, they're in the same weight division, and they will be fine. A guy like Robbie, for example, is a perfect example, man. Robbie, Robbie has the perfect mindset. You know, you know what? I'm not a guy who has a perfect mindset. They will be doing this thing. Hector is one of them. You know, Hector will. Hector likes Robbie a lot. Really yeah. does like Robbie. He will not mind to fight Robbie. <laughs> and after ten men, and believe me, those guys will be friends, and they'll be more than. You know, more there will be more respected the way you already have it. You know, it's not something that me as a coach would like to see it, or none of American top team guys would like to see that. But if Robbie continued, I'm not going to cheer against Robbie. Do Robbie lose his belt? Also, I'm not going to cheer against Hector keeping winning. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's just a just a situation that it is what it is. What I can do, me, Labor, and myself, you know, because I help Robbie and I help Hector, is to stay away from this thing because I don't, I can't do that. I can help, I can help both, and that's the reality. Of it. The reality is, it is individual sport. They yeah. know, they talk about. It. Everybody knows that at one point, if you just go in the right path, they're gonna have to fight, and everybody will be okay with that. Another guy that doesn't get enough credit is Jorge Masvidal. The guy is ranked at number 13 and easily the most stacked division in the UFC, the lightweight division. I'd say he's basically the best lightweight that no one is talking about. Would you not agree? I agree. I agree that he's extremely talented. I got what, what I say about George is this. Georgie, I think Georgie this year is going to have his time to show that he belongs not just to top 10, but also in the elite of the 155ers. So this is George here. And he's going to be working hard for that. I think he's going to be facing really good opponents because he's going to have a chance to prove that. And from there we go. Yeah. <laughs> just take the chance, grab it, and make it happen. That's De what is going to happen to him. Definitely. Two more questions for here, Ricardo. If you were to give an award to a fighter at ATT as the most improved... Who would that be? 
the most improved fighter, I would say Yoel, Yoel Romero. This guy is an absolute sponge, is an absolute beast, is, has a work ethic as a, as, as nobody has been seen it. You know, he has athletic ability, he got the emotional, he got everything else. I think there's a big chance that Yoel be our second world champion. From UFC, of course. Have you been told who he'll be fighting with or with uh, Jacare out? Say it again? Because Jacare is out of that fight, he came down with pneumonia, I believe. Uh, have you yeah, been told yeah, who, who, who Romero will fight? No, we don't know exactly yet, you know. And he's got a big sense because he's in a title contention. So, you know, get him another fight right now, it would not help him to pursue the dream. He's there in a mission to get there and, and win. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there in a second. Yeah, you know, in a way. So, so um, I believe, you know, he's still training. You know, he's still training. If something happened with Victor or if something happened to Rockhold or if something happened with Lyoto, I think he would jump an opportunity. That's what it is. All right, finally, if you could tell us just a couple of fighters at your gym that we should be on the lookout for, who are they? Well, we have a new generation of guys, seriously. There is a new breed of kids that are coming over here. Some, some kids are 17 years old. Um, man, there's some really good kids coming over here right now. Um, like I, I like to say, and I'm, you know, for new generation of guys, you know, Colby Compton is one. Mike uh, Mirsad Bektik is another one. You know, there's some. Yeah, they're all they're all messing with me right now. Look at this thing. <laughs> and there's a lot of guys there. They're coming for the for you know, for the new events. You'll be hearing a lot of big names. There's some really really good youngsters. You know, the 17 years old. 18 years old, guys that we're moving in. We move some kids. We have a house here, and we collect some of those, you know, great talent and put them in the house, and just what the kid has to do is just to train and, and get better. So, you know, there's some really good names coming. He is American top watch teams. Out for, watch out for Mirsad Bactic. There we this go. His work ethic, this kid's work ethic is unbelievable. He's fighting this month, correct? Yes, he's fighting this month. He is American Top Team's head, Honcho Ricardo Laborio. Man, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Just let people know where they can get a, get a hold of you in the social media universe and where they can get a hold of American Top Team. Right, guys. AmericanTopTeam.com is our website. Um, well, my name is Ricardo Laborio. Can, you can look at me at Instagram and things like that. I'm not, I'm not a really a big social media guy, but you, you'll find me there, okay? And beyond anything else, let me tell you again, I'm a big fan, not just the show, but I'm a big fan of you, Jeremy. You know, it's just such a pleasure and an honor, man. And whatever you need from me or, or our guys of America Tartini you can count on it. All right? Thank you very much, Ricardo. It's been a pleasure. Good luck to you and your fighters in 2015, my friend. I really appreciate it, brother. Take care, all right? You as well. Bye-bye. There you have it. Ricardo Laborio joining me today. Oh my goodness, uh, <laughs> I'm sort of speechless because that's a guy that I looked up to right from the very beginning when I started this whole MMA game and getting into the sport of mixed martial arts and learning about it. Brazilian top team and American top team were two of the names that stood out for me as some of the fighters that that I had on my radar and that, that I always kept up with. So 
that was a pleasure to have him on the show today. Um, I'd also like to thank my other guests. Obviously, Andy Ogle joined me right off the hop there. Um, Justin Pirro was joined by Damon Martin from Fox Sports. That was awesome. Uh, make sure you check out MMA Sucker on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash MMA Sucker on Twitter, twitter.com at MMA Sucker, obviously. Myself on Twitter at Jeremy Brand 604. And with that, I'm out. Jeremy Brand as we reactivate. Brand creates the show for the fans in this magnanimous. Jerry's out decision and the yes, it's unanimous. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. Out.